Hello, hello, it's Wendy, and this is yet another episode of Sleep With Me. (laughs) Don't you like that? Well, you do get to actually sleep with me in the sense of it being hypnosis, but hypnosis is not actually sleep, so maybe you don't get to sleep with me. I'm so confused. Anyway, we're going to do a hypnosis session today. About 30 minutes in, uh, we'll do a 10-minute hypnosis session, so you'll want to stick around for that. Our topic today is one of my favorites and uh, one of the favorites of my followers all over the world. They love this subject, and it is something that, as I've said about so many things, it's a life changer. You've probably heard me talk about remote influence or remote seduction. And the remote seduction is the most popular because that's actually a method of influencing someone else to want them to like you and be close to you. Remote influence is more creating the uh, silent influence energy that affects someone else and causes them to feel or think or make decisions differently. So now, I know we have a little ethical thing we have to talk about, huh? Are you doing this to someone without their consent or they have no control? Is it possible that you are going to influence them without them knowing and and make them do something that maybe they don't want to do? Well, these are very difficult questions. I think that Overall, a person isn't going to do anything against their will. The same as when you're doing hypnosis on someone, you know, telling them they got to go out and rob the bank, probably not going to do it. It still has to be in alignment with their values and their desires and their beliefs, right? I am going to let you decide and also leave me some comments of how you feel about that after you've listened to this podcast and after you've done the remote influence session. I am going to start... (laughs) by telling you some very interesting things that I gradually learned that brought me to the space of remote seduction and remote influence. Now, just to set it straight, get the pavement laid, (laughs) something like that. Uh, What we mean by this is remote seduction is for purposes of getting someone to want you to be close to you, to have a relationship with you, or be sexually attracted to you. Remote influence is what you're going to use on other levels to influence someone to think a certain way, feel a certain thing. So that's the difference in the two. And now let's uh, find out how I started doing this and what I did that made me convinced that you can actually influence others in this way. I was sitting on a bench at the Sacramento State Fair, California State Fair in Sacramento. My brother was sitting next to me, and my brother and I are pretty goofy when we get together. And we were sitting there kind of bored, and he said, what should we do? And I said, I don't know, I'm kind of bored. I said... Let's see if we can get that guy sitting over there to do something. Like, let's see if we can use our mind power to beam something over there and make him do something. What should we make him do? And we decided to make him scratch his balls. 
<laughs> I know. We are really bored, see? Okay. So Tim and I both have skills in hypnosis, and he's a big meditator, and he understands how to move energy and thoughts, as do I. So together, we decided that we would do that. Now, the way we do that, because this little skill is going to just come in so handy in your life, the way we do it is we close our eyes and take a few deep breaths, and then you imagine the feeling that you're having that you want that person to have. So in this case, we need to imagine our physiology making our balls itch, which was easier for him than for me, not having any balls just to set the record straight, but imagining still that energy, that area of having some itchiness happening and the itchiness is getting worse and you just got to scratch him. You just have that overwhelming desire to scratch him. So getting relaxed, closing your eyes, taking a few deep breaths and just setting that feeling up or that situation in your body. And then you're going to move it out of your body and you're going to let it be like a ball of energy or kind of a beam of light that carries those feelings, those thoughts, and those sensations. So I would say that Tim and I probably did the like conditioning or whatever you'd call it, um, maybe for one minute at the most, probably. And then we both consciously sent this energy as this light with all of that to that guy. And he was probably 20 feet away or so, sitting on a bench, not knowing what was happening. <laughs> So I would say it took about, yeah, let's say 20 seconds, maybe less than that. And this guy reaches down and starts scratching his balls. <laughs> well, Tim and I had never really tried to perfect this technique and we hadn't practiced it together or nothing like that. We were pretty happy about <laughs> getting the results that we got, you know, getting someone to scratch their balls. This is a superpower. This is something I can really use. <laughs> I can imagine so many situations that I will need to make someone scratch their balls. If you could have this superpower, what would you want to make people do? And of course, this also begs the give me some comments about what you feel about the ethics of this after you've listened to the entire podcast. And if you think that this is really out of bounds, like I said, it's the one of the most popular programs that I sell, the remote seduction and remote influence. Do we want to control others? Or do we want to make them do things? I don't know. I think we just want to create an environment and an energy and a thought process that puts us in sync with others. Although it's so mysterious, I'm going to tell you some stories, and some of them you've probably heard before from me, but it doesn't hurt to hear them again, of things that I think I influenced pretty strongly. We could start with the dog. This was a really strange one, and I wasn't really trying to do this. It just kind of happened, um, which sounds really silly. I was sitting in this big art studio of my friend with her. We were sitting and just talking and way across the art studio. This was a really big one because her husband made these, these enormous bronze sculptures. They were amazing. But there's a dog. Her dog was sitting in the corner quite a ways away, 30 or 40 feet away. 
And uh, while we were talking and chatting, I, at one point I said, oh, come here, come here, come on over. And she said, oh, he, he won't come to you. He hates everyone. He barely can tolerate us. <laughs> and I thought, huh. And I wondered if I could change that dog's mind about me and not hating everyone while Bonnie and I were just having our discussion. So I got in my mind, even though I was also carrying on a conversation, I used some other part of my mind to decide that that dog liked me a lot. And I imagined very vividly that that dog came walking over and was real happy and walked all the way over to me and looked at me in the eyes and looked at my face. And I imagined that I was giving the dog a milk bone and he's so happy eating it and everything and wagging his tail and I'm petting him and he's all happy. So that's what I imagined for maybe 30 to 45 seconds or so. That was about it. And it didn't take very long. It, that dog, after I did that, very soon after I did that, like less than a minute, that dog gets up and comes trotting over, puts his head on my lap and left it there. And I petted him and he was an outdoor dog who was kind of stinky. So, I, you know, after a little while, I didn't really want to pet him anymore. And so I, I said, okay, you can go now. You can go. And he wouldn't leave. He just kept his head on my lap. And I, I kind of gave him a little push, said, okay, it's all right. You can go. And my friend told me that he never does that. He doesn't go up to anybody because he does hate everybody. And I said, well, I wonder if there's something I could do that would make him like go back and lie down. I said, well, what doesn't he like? And she said, he used to get yelled at a lot by the people who had him previously and they were really mean to him and they yelled at him. So here he is with that head on my lap. And I kept talking to her, not looking at the dog, kept talking to her. And I imagined I was yelling at the dog. I felt really bad. I still do, but I, I imagined I was yelling at him, standing up and saying bad dog or something. Right. And it only took a few seconds for that dog to then slink off back to that spot in the wall, but it was like this corner of the art studio and the dog put his face facing the corner and just stayed there. And after that, I felt bad. So I tried to get the dog to come back and he wouldn't come back to me because that was his big mortal fear. And I crossed the line. It was evidence for me with first the ball scratcher man and then the dog that I terrorized. Now we have two things that are giving me a clue that we have a lot of power. And it's not just me, it's all of us. So then, quite a while earlier, like when I was about 20 years old, I was living in Marin County, which is just north of San Francisco. And I was going to audition in a play in San Francisco. I was driving to the play for the audition. There was only one part that they were auditioning for because a play had been running for like a year and they were just replacing one of the female parts. I was driving over the Golden Gate Bridge and I was feeling nervous because I knew it was a musical and I'd have to sing and that's fine, but, um, but I don't have much of an acting resume and stuff like that. While I was driving over the Golden Gate Bridge, I got this silly idea that I would decide that I've got the part. Oh, I've got the part. I already got it. 
And I hadn't even auditioned yet, see. <laughs> so I'm driving over the bridge going, oh, the director loves me. And he, oh my gosh, he just totally told that. He just told me I have the part. Oh, I'm so excited. This is great. Now I stopped to audition. It's okay, but I've got the part. So that's what I was doing. And I was feeling all happy and giddy and all the emotions and excitement of getting the part. I get to the Palladium Theater and I go in there for the audition and there's probably a hundred women all auditioning for the same part. Hmm. It didn't, it didn't knock me off my game. My game was that I've got the part. <laughs> and a few women had already done their audition because there's a piano player on stage that he plays whatever your music is so you can sing your song. And I sang the song, Summertime and the living is easy. It was a good song and boy, I nailed it. <laughs> if I do say so myself. And then I... He had me do some other stuff. I don't know what else it was um, for the audition, reading some lines and stuff. So it was a musical. There was also lots of, um, you know, things in between the music and whatever. Okay, so after I came down off the stage and I sat down, the director came over and said, I don't care who else auditions, you've got the part. <laughs> you've still got like 75 more women to audition, you know. I didn't say that to him, though. Um, but he said, yeah, you got the part. I was stunned. It was so weird. It was like the driving over the Golden Gate Bridge saying, I've got the part. Is it possible that I influenced him in some cosmic, miraculous, ESP, voodoo, <laughs> something that I influenced him from far away? Remote influence doesn't have to be close to the person that you're doing that with. It can be far away. You don't even have to know who it is, apparently. Or was it just that my confidence level, because I had done that, was so great that I did a good addition? But there's plenty of other really good singers and actors, actresses out there, you know? Um, that was quite something. Now, <laughs> tell you a little more about the play. I don't know. I've never really made this public before, but... I did get the part, and so the entire crew had to come be, to rehearse with me just for my part, like every day for like five days of rehearsal. And so that was to get me up to speed real quick to learn all the dances and the choreography and the blocking and all the different things. And it was fine, and it worked out good. Um, there is a solo that I had. I don't even know if I should tell you. The play... <laughs> The play is titled Let My People Come. It is not an orgy, but it is a farce about sex. It is very, very funny. The men in one scene dress up as nuns, and they all sing about cunnilingus. It's a very, they got their, you know, very proper, just holier-than-thou attitudes. <laughs> well, they sing a song about cunnilingus dressed as nuns. It's a funny, funny play. It had been playing for about a year, and the house was packed every night. It was also playing in a bunch of other places all over the country, too. All right, so uh, the play is a farce about sex, and my song <clears throat> was standing on a pedestal in a white gown, looking all virginal and stuff, singing a song titled Come in My Mouth. Don't laugh. 
Let's see. It was a very serious song that went kind of like, and I stood very still. That was part of my instructions. Put your feet up on the sofa. Lie down, baby, close your eyes. Feel my fingers walking over the part of you that feels so nice. Oh, but anyway, I'm not going to sing the rest of the song to you because it got very graphic, but it was so cool. Like this whole, the way they lit the thing and me in this long white gown and on this pedestal. Um, so now, you know, that's, <laughs> it was very fun. The play was fun. Being in the dressing rooms with all the guys was fun and just everything about it. Um, oh, and I got paid a lot of money. That was the other thing. It was really cool. One of the times, though, this is totally off our topic of remote influence, but the way that we would get on stage is if you're behind the curtain on stage, the curtain is strips of mylar. They're about a half inch wide strips of mylar that go from the ceiling to the floor. So when you go in, you use your hands just to push the mylar to the sides, like you were kind of diving with your hands or something, and you just walk onto the stage. For me, I had to step up onto the platform, onto this pedestal, so I had done that, and as I stepped on the pedestal, one of the pieces of mylar somehow got stuck in one of my toes, because we were barefoot all the time on the, uh, during the play. And I was on the pedestal, and the way that the mylar was holding my toe very tightly was that my leg was lifted up behind me about six inches. And the music's starting, and I got to sing, and I'm pulling down on it without letting people see it, uh, but mylar doesn't break and it doesn't tear and I couldn't get my foot loose. So my leg is in the air and I am standing on one leg and I'm sure people were wondering why does she only have one foot sticking out under her dress? That's really weird. And I had to balance for the entire time and sing the song. <laughs> Holy cow, I remember that so well. And then after I was done singing, of course, then I reached down and took that mylar off because it would have tripped me really bad. Now you know something about me that actually I have kept secret for a very long time. And I guess overall, I don't really mind that people know, but just you don't need to go telling everybody, you know? <laughs> the older you get, the less you care about things like that. It's okay. But it was, it was a phenomenal experience. My father happened to be living in San Francisco at my brother's house at the time. And when I came back from the audition, something you must know first, though, is that my father was a preacher his entire adult life and a very devout teacher. He had his own church and everything was religion. So when I got back to my brother's house and I said, I got the part. I'm so excited. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe it. And I sang and I nailed it and I got the part. So now I get to go to San Francisco five days a week and get parking tickets. <laughs> Lots of them. <laughs> so my father says, oh, what's the name of the play? And I said, it's called Let My People Come. And he said, oh, a nice biblical play. Isn't that nice? <laughs> oh, I didn't tell him. <laughs> yeah, there's more to that play than just that, though. Anyway, there wasn't any sex or anything like that. There wasn't, it was just 
a very funny, funny play. It wasn't, a, it wasn't pornography or anything like nothing like that. Just get that out of your brain. Come on, release all of those thoughts that you were having. Everybody had clothes on the whole time. <laughs> well, wait a minute. No. Oh, okay. We're not going to talk about that. All right. Let's get back to remote influence. So maybe I influenced that person. You have heard of the experiments that have been done with remote viewing and remote influence. And there was a documentary I watched not long ago. It was some old documentary, but it was about those experiments that they would do at long distances to send certain thoughts or feelings or affect something, an actual object that's in an area that's very far away. The experiments are just phenomenal. And if I can find a link to them, I'll put it in the notes in this podcast. To influence a thing, like maybe it was something hanging on a string or a wire and it was a little fob of some kind um, that someone from a thousand miles away could move it and make it make it move or whatever. And then the Cleve Baxter, is that his name? He's the guy that's, um, he wrote The Secret Life of Plants. And The Secret Life of Plants takes us deeper into this influence that we have. And what he did is he had a philodendron in his office, a big one, I guess, doesn't really matter. And he wanted to see if he could influence that philodendron. He hooked it up to a lie detector that had the little needle that goes up and down and would show if there's a reaction, like with a person, it shows your emotional reactions or changes in your heart rate or pulse, things like that. So he hooks it up to it and he decided he was going to take a match and burn one of the leaves of the plant to see if he could get a reaction. And so he did and he got a reaction and the lie detector showed this whatever thing going all over. And then he decided to do the experiment again, but now he felt bad because he didn't want to hurt the plant and he didn't feel like he should be burning it. So this time he decided he was going to just get as close as he could without actually burning it. I'm trying to decide if that's the thing that happened next, but he, he did that and he didn't actually touch or burn the plant and it did not react. And the, the thought is, did the plant know that he was not actually going to do it? So it had no reaction and no fear. He showed the experiment to another person that had come over to see this. And he got the results that showed reactions to him burning it. But then also when he didn't actually burn it, there were, I think there were a couple times where it reacted, even though he didn't actually burn it. His intention was there, and it's, it's just fascinating. Look up Cleve Baxter and read the entire book. He has a lot of experiments in there, not just, uh, not just on this plant. But he got very connected and close to this plant. It almost gave him a way that he was communicating with it on another level so the plant could kind of communicate back to him. And he quit burning it. He tried uh, many other things. So he was away on a weekend with his girlfriend, and he left the lie detector thing running. And I think he changed it to a different piece of equipment at that by then. It was something that had a lot more information about what was going on with the plant. So um, 
when he was having sex with his girlfriend and he was very far away from the plant, I will say, let's say 50 miles or 10 miles. I don't know. doesn't matter. <laughs> when he was having sex with his girlfriend, at the moment of orgasm, he looked at his watch to see what time it is. And when he got back to his laboratory, he looked at the, the output of all the stuff the plant had been experiencing, and lo and behold, at the exact time of that orgasm, <laughs> the plant was showing all the, these uh, wiggly lines in the sensor that the plant was reacting to him having an orgasm. Some of you aren't really shocked about this because you've done these kind of experiments in maybe workshops or with, you know, yourself. Maybe you've done the spoon bending thing at workshops and you found out that there's certain energy that you can create and harness and bend a very firm and rigid spoon or the tines of a fork. Now, I did one of these and it was pretty amazing. There wasn't any trick to it. It wasn't something like, oh, you have to have a certain kind of spoon or it has to be heated up. Or The spoons were very firm, and they were you couldn't bend them when you just tried at the beginning. You had to get into this kind of trance and change your energy, and then they would bend fairly easily. And I think I still have them in the fork. The tines of the fork, I bent them all the way around. And it wasn't really difficult. It just like, huh. They bend. They weren't super soft either, um, but I could bend them. So anyway, that's another part of the energy we have that influences things in the forks and spoons. Does it influence the molecules in the metal or something? I don't know. Somebody probably knows, but I don't. Now, the next thing I want to tell you is, and again, you may have heard this because I've talked about it in many podcasts and all my workshops and things. In New York City, I had a group of about 35 people. We had spent three full days together with me teaching them hypnosis. We're in and out of trance and they're all getting, you know, connected kind of because we're all in trance in an altered state. So maybe we're sharing some feelings and some energetic connection. On the third day, I did an experiment. And again, if you've already heard this, just listen to it one more time. <laughs> Uh, everybody stood up in a circle and in the middle of the circle were two chairs and in those two chairs we put two of the people in them and they were instructed to close their eyes take a deep breath as everybody else did and just you know get connected with everybody and I had a whiteboard that was behind the two people in the chairs on the whiteboard I wrote down for the very first experiment a warm beach and the People standing up were instructed to experience this thing, whatever I wrote, to experience it in their body with physical feelings, with mental, emotional sounds, everything they could feel and think and create. And then they would send it as an energy, like I did to the guy, the scratchy balls guy. We just send it as an energy and just move it right to the two people in the center. So they were focusing on a warm beach. Okay, and then I went and wrote down a second one, told everybody to clear, clear their thoughts, and I gave them a process to clear their thoughts. Wrote down the second one, I think it was a roller coaster. So they did that and experienced that, sent it to the two girls in the middle. They cleared that out. The third one I wrote down was a dark alley, a dark 
alley. <laughs> and then they did that. And after three of them, then I would have the two people in the middle get up and be in the circle, and two new people would go into the chairs. I did about 12 rounds of this. So there were different people in the chairs, like maybe 12 different times. Um, I think it was about that. And testing it with different people each time was really amazing. It was, it was really cool. So anyway, after, after the first two people got up, I had erased the whiteboard. After they got up, or no, they didn't get up. I'm sorry, they're still sitting in the chairs in the circle. But I asked each one, what did you notice? And one said, well, with the first one, I was lying down and I was warm and I was outside and I felt like there was might have been blue sky or something, but I felt really warm and the surface underneath me felt really soft and I sort of think that there was water nearby. Okay, great. And then the second person says, I could hear birds singing and I noticed there were palm trees around me. Um, I'm thinking I'm at the beach because in, with palm trees and birds flying. That's, that's what it felt like to me. The second one, the dark alley, the first woman said on that second one, instantly my heart started beating really fast. It was just like, I was scared instantly. I don't know why. Cause I couldn't see anything. I don't know where I was. I know I was maybe running away from something, but it's hard to know how I was feeling because it was dark and it's like maybe somebody was chasing me. All right. And the second one said it was completely dark and I was nervous, but I was walking. And so I was walking fast, but it was dark and it kind of feels like I couldn't see where I was going very well. All right. The third one. Oh, no, that was the, yeah, the roller coaster. Well, whichever order. Okay. The roller coaster, the one person says, I was, felt like I was going up. I was sitting down in something and going up, 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 up. And there was some noises, some kind of clacking noises or something. But I, I definitely felt like I was, I was sitting down and going up, but I don't know why. <laughs> Ooh. The other one says, I was falling and I was falling really fast. I, I was kind of scared, but having fun. I heard a lot of voices and people screaming. So I'm thinking I'm going down in like, um, in maybe a roller coaster or something like that. Well, this was really fascinating to us because those three had really nailed it. And then we changed the two people in the middle. We'd do three more scenarios, change it again, and do that um, several times. The success rate was phenomenal. It was a life changer for us to know that we have this much influence to make people feel see, hear, experience something. So the very last thing, there was two women in the chairs in the circle and I wrote on the board, um, I think it was the last one of the set of three, the very last one I wrote, orgasm. Ha ha. <laughs> so the people in the circle needed to create whatever elements of the feelings or sounds or sensations, they're not going to have orgasms in, you know, in our group, but just something that, that uh, personifies that. And so then they send it to the two girls in the middle. And when I asked them on that third one, I said, and what did you experience? The first woman would not say, and she wouldn't tell me. She was just, no, I can't, I can't tell you, I can't. <laughs> no, I 
can't say it. I said, well, what? Just describe what you're feeling. She said, no, I can't. I can't. She, she was kind of between laughing and crying. And so then I asked the second woman, what did, what did you experience? And she says, it was very clear that you guys were sending orgasm vibes, that it was specifically an orgasm. It wasn't just having sex or kissing or anything. It was absolutely that. Well, how about that? If you were in a workshop like that and you actually participated in sending these, these ideas and thoughts and feelings to someone and you also were sitting in the chairs at one point and you're receiving them and you're getting them right, most of the time, I think we probably had over 90% like right on the money um, of getting it right. So we all are like, uh-huh, how about that? Now, it's possible that spending three days together helped us connect that energy. Having been in trance repeatedly helped us all tap into that energy. But then again, you know, I did it to some random guy that I've never seen before at the fair, Mr. Ball Scratcher. I also did it to a man at a conference. I was in a very big room where there was a presenter and there weren't enough chairs, so I was standing against the wall on one side and I just wanted to experiment and see what would happen. And there was a guy across on the other wall that was standing up. And I decided that he was going to like me a lot. <laughs> I didn't know him. I'd never met him. We hadn't spent any time together at all. I just wanted to try this experiment. So I sent him these feelings of love and connection and how it felt to hug and to hold hands and kiss and just really this warmth and trusting each other and, you know, everything I could think of. And it was maybe a minute or two of doing that. The conference continued for a couple of days and... If you were to see where I was at any point in time, walking down a sidewalk or going into one of the rooms or walking through the hallway, anything, he was within 10 feet of me for the rest of the day. And when I sat down at a table for lunch, he was at a table that was just right next to our table. And it was amazing. Like If we were standing in line to go into somewhere, into one of the rooms... If you looked, he was right there, just 10, 12 feet from me. It was amazing. But I did that, and then he was there all that time. And it started getting creepy. No, actually, it didn't. He was pretty cute. <laughs> I don't know if he and I ever talked, but he was somehow drawn to me and staying close. Now, let's do a hypnosis session that is going to give you the elements of doing that, and we're going to do it as a remote influence rather than remote seduction for today. You can buy the remote seduction and remote influence program. They're both in one package. So you're going to get 20% off today for remote influence, and the discount code is going to be you and me. <laughs> That's the discount code, you and me for remote influence and remote seduction, and you get 20% off. Now let's do some hypnosis. You ready? You can do this while you're sitting in your chair, relaxing. You can do this lying down if you like, but don't fall asleep. Try to keep yourself alert enough to follow along with me. 
And if you're like listening to this podcast passively in the background, you might, and you're doing other things, you might want to uh, just pause it and then come back later when you can actually relax and get the whole experience of this. First of all, pick someone that you're going to send the remote influence to. Is it a someone you work for, you work with? Is it someone you've been having disagreements about something? Um, is it something that you need to go into your boss's office and have a discussion with her about what direction you're going, something like that? Yeah, just decide what it is. Are you going to influence your dog to stop digging holes in the yard? I don't know if you can do that. <laughs> so, anything's worth a try. Are you going to influence one of your children to feel better or happier, be more confident or stronger? So you decide who it is that you're going to influence. Take a nice deep breath. Let your body begin to relax. Let your mind hear my voice and allow my voice to reach deep into your mind, into those places where there are things that you like to learn, things that you allow yourself to experience in a deeper way. And then let my voice float and drift through your body, relaxing you even deeper with every word. You're going to allow your mind and your body to relax so deeply that you become receptive to creating a new ability that you have to make your ability more powerful, more focused, and able to be transmitted to anybody that you like. Now, as you relax, notice that your body is getting nice and heavy and loose and limp. Your arms are heavy. Your neck is relaxed. Your legs are heavy and loose and limp. And your mind becomes receptive. Now let yourself go even deeper into that state of trance easily and instantly as I count from five down to one. Easily and instantly. Five deeper relaxed, four, going down into that space where you feel calm and at peace and eager to learn, three, letting go even deeper, two, your mind becoming ready to learn, and one, opening your subconscious mind to the experiences that you do want to have there is an ability that you have that you've always had that is the ability to influence others. Sometimes you influence people by your words, by your actions, by your movements, by the smell of your cologne or your perfume. Sometimes you influence them by the things that you wear, the things they see, the type of makeup you wear, People are influenced by so many things that you do. Now choose someone that you're going to send a message to. And notice what it is that you're going to want them to experience. Now experience it in your own body, in your own mind right now. Notice any physical sensations that you have with this thought that you are building. 
Notice how those sensations feel, where they are in your body. And then turn them up a little bit so you feel that even more. Now notice if there's an emotion with this. Maybe an emotion of joy or concern or closeness or excitement. Maybe it's the emotion that you're going to want the other person to have that's about making a specific decision about something. Notice what that emotion is, how you feel it, how you imagine it. And turn it up now, make it even more real. Feel that emotion even bigger. Good. Notice if there are any sounds that happen in this interaction. Are there sounds of your voice or their voice? Is there a conversation that's being had or is it just silent? Or is there music playing? And just turn the sounds up so the sounds are even more real. Are the sounds that of your voice or conversation or something that you are asking or something that you're saying? Or are the sounds something around you that are in the background of what's happening with you and this person? And turn those up, feel them and hear them. Notice anything else that you feel as a result of this interaction. Now, let it feel like a physical energy that it actually has a feeling in you, like it's buzzing or moving or vibrating. Let it get really real. Maybe it's in your solar plexus, or maybe it's around your heart, or maybe it's in your forehead. Just notice where this energy is building now. Where is it getting even stronger? Where does it have like a life of its own, thoughts of its own, And increase that feeling, wherever it's located, increase that, make it more real, more powerful, more energized. Now I'm going to count from five down to one, let yourself go even deeper, and as I'm counting, let that energy flow out of you to that person, no matter where they are, it will find them. Let it flow out of you to that person. Ready? Five, let it start flowing right now. Notice the sparkles the light, the colors flowing out of you toward that person. Four, it's getting more energized and stronger. The message is there and it's clear and it's going to that person. It's going to that person and surrounding them with that light. Let it keep flowing so they're now surrounded by it. They're feeling the emotions that you're feeling. They're hearing the sounds that you're hearing. They're noticing the physical sensations that you're feeling and just continue to send it three sending it even more two and allowing it to finally dissipate from you and one and it's completely left you and gone to that person surrounding them with the feelings that are in that thought and in that interaction good take a deep breath let it out. Good. One more deep breath. 
And now I want you to focus on the outcome that you want from this interaction. I want you to let yourself experience it as already having happened. And notice what situation you're in as you realize that it's already happened. Your influence that you have given to this person has had the effect. And notice what the result is in your relationship with this person. How did it affect you? How did it affect them? What's different now? And now bring your awareness back to the room and back to my voice. And as I count to five, you will bring all of your own energy back to your body. Ready? One, emerging, feeling good. And two, feel that energy rising up through your legs, all the way up through your body. And three, you'll feel balanced and at peace. And four, your eyes will feel cool and refreshed and a smile will be on your face. And five, wide awake, clear-headed, and refreshed. Nice. So now, wherever you're listening to this podcast, you could put some comments in there. If not, you could always go to the Podbean podcast page where there's a place to put comments. And to get there, you just do podcast.wendy.com. And of course, Wendy's spelled with an I instead of an I. No, um, why? <laughs> Spelled with a I instead of a Y. There you go. All right. So here you are. You're back. You're putting some comments in there about what you felt. What Did it go right? Did it feel good? What was the outcome? And now the only thing left to do is just let a little bit of time pass and find out what happened as a result of that interaction. Now, if this is someone that you can call on the phone, you might, I don't know, in the next half hour or so, give them a call and just have a little discussion about something that leads to, you know, finding out about the outcome that you wanted and see if they felt any of that outcome. I don't know if you should tell them you did some weirdo experiment on them and you tried to zap their brains, (laughs) control their thoughts. Not saying that you should tell them that because they're going to think you're really weird, probably. Unless, you know, unless they're weird in that way, like I am as well. Some people are very open to doing this kind of thing. When we're in a workshop with other people, usually there's things that are interacting. And if you're in a hypnosis workshop, you're in trance a lot of the time and in and out of trance. So we are getting connected and sharing that energy. And that's probably why that experiment works so well with transmitting thoughts. But then again, when I auditioned for the play, I didn't even know who I was auditioning with. And I just imagined that there was a director and, uh, you know, somehow did I influence that to make that happen? Was it just because it made me more confident and made me do a better audition or I had a certain air about me that just, you know, he felt like, yeah, she's pretty good. (laughs) I don't know. I just don't know. But you read about these experiments and Miracle of Mind is another book that there's a lot of experiments in there. And if you go to watch the documentary that's on the, I think it's like ESP experiments or something. I Maybe one of you could try to look it up and find the name of it. But it was really cool. And it'll make you realize that we have extraordinary powers to do amazing things. So now the remote seduction, basically, 
The same process exists, and on the recordings, it's a much longer process, so it's going to work better once you buy the remote influence and remote seduction in one package together for 20% off using the code UNME, all one word, UNME. Got it? To use this process for remote seduction, you're, of course, going to have more intimate feelings together. Have feelings of you and the other person touching, looking in each other's eyes, and seeing and adoring that person, and hugging, and just feeling it so real. And, and everything that you do in remote seduction, just make yourself feel it totally, and then amplify it. Um, I did an interesting remote influence session that had extraordinary results. I was working at a Waldorf school. I taught music to fourth grade through eighth grade, which doesn't have anything to do with the influence part. But I wanted my one son to go to the Waldorf school, and my ex-husband and I agreed on very little. <laughs> and he did not want my son to go to Waldorf school. He wanted him to go to the regular school in town, which, you know, is pretty mediocre. So I was at the school, and before we started every day, all the teachers would come and get in a circle, and we would have a nice little meditation sort of session together, just getting our thoughts where we want them to be and our energy and the love for what we do. I had discussed with them my frustration about not being able to get my son to come to this school because Dennis and I would both have to agree to it. So uh, we all did this together, and we sent this feeling and to Dennis and to change his mind to make him say, yes, it is okay for him to go to the school. <laughs> and wouldn't you know it, the very next day when I was talking to him, he changed his mind. He was uh, absolutely certain there was no way that he was going to let me in quotes, win. This wasn't about win and lose, but for him it was. And he said, yeah, I decided that it's okay if you do that. Which was another mind-blowing little piece that, in this case, it was a lot of resistance. He wasn't receiving energy from people that he knew or that he cared much about because all the other teachers, they didn't even know who he was, you know. So that was that was quite interesting. And I, all of these things have gotten me to the point where I know we have a lot of influence over our opportunities that we create doing this. And the good luck and the good fortune and the abundance and the money that you'll make and the things that you'll do. So you could try it on any level. You could use it for getting bigger opportunities in your life like um, maybe you want to be on a TV show or maybe you want someone to have you as a guest on their podcast. I don't know, whatever it is. Um, but look at how you can do something so extraordinary <laughs> in such a small amount of time. How would you not do this? How would you not use this in your life every day? And what if you turned on remote influence every morning when you first woke up? And you did the process when you're, you're already in trance when you first wake up. Because when you wake up, you're going from being in theta 
and going to your alpha state. And then when you're fully awake, being in that beta brainwave. But what if you go ahead and just like take advantage of already kind of being in that state and do your remote influence every morning on some, you know, some specific topic or person or an opportunity that you want. So from everything I've taught you, and if you're a hypnotherapist, you can use this with your clients, of course, to help them have more influence over their world, and it will change their attitude and their feelings about what's going on and feeling helpless or stuck, and give them a sense of maybe being more powerful and tell them you're going to install a superpower <laughs> that they will be happy to have. Yeah, it, it means that we are responsible for what happens to us on an even bigger level, not just our words and our actions and our decisions, but how we affect others and how we affect the environment around us. I mean, remember that dog, oh my gosh, that was amazing because I wasn't speaking dog language. I was just sending the emotions, the sounds, and the happiness of imagining him wagging his tail and me giving him a milk bone. He was probably pretty disappointed that he didn't actually have a milk bone. But think about it. What would you use this for and what is it that you want to have happen? If you're going to school or you're in college, do you need your instructor or professor to have a different view of you or a different attitude about you to see you in a new light or be able to give you the project that you've been wanting? If it's going to work with coworkers, do you want them to be more compatible or maybe you want them to get farther away? <laughs> You could do the remote influence in the opposite way and influence people to get the hell away from me. I don't need people. I need people. Personally, I do. I like having people around. That is a-okay with me. <laughs> One of the things I really love the most about my life in my profession is going to do trainings and workshops and being able to lead a group of people to experience life differently and with a group doing hypnosis sessions repeatedly for the group for all the different aspects of what we're working on like financial abundance that's definitely one of my big favorites because the miracles are are miraculous <laughs> like in Texas I was doing a workshop and it was the last day and people were going to be leaving later that day to fly home and the next day to fly home and we did this on abundance, on, on creating really good fortune and good things that are going to happen and did this whole session. And the next day when people got home, I got the best emails from people telling me how they had created some just really cool, miraculous things. There were so many. It was just, ah, oh, it was great. I feel very fortunate to feel confident on stage and be able to talk to really large groups of people and lead them through things that are going to make changes for them in their life. It was not always that way. I was really scared to get on stage back in the day, and I went to a two-week-long course for public speaking that was a lot of people, but we broke up into smaller groups and did our work in these smaller groups. We never did get to get up on a stage like in front of, you know, hundreds of people, but it still was a great training. It was so valuable, and it was every day for two weeks. And then I joined Toastmasters, and when we had Toastmasters in person, 
It was really great. You have to make sure that you get up and give speeches and you get up and you do table topics and all that so that you're getting constant training and you're embedding your ability to be that person. And I recommend if you want to be confident on stage and be effective in everything, join two different Toastmasters groups. See if you can find some that are meeting in person. It's not the same on Zoom. It doesn't serve much of a purpose. And what you learn is that your brain gets this message repeatedly that no harm is going to come to you. Nobody's going to hurt you. There's nothing bad that's going to happen, even if you screw up and you forget parts of your speech. You put yourself in a position to be more animated and more interesting and make a better point and have pauses. <laughs> and you don't say, um, ah, uh, you know... Because somebody's counting all your ums and your ahs and your, your things that you say repetitively that don't belong there. But it's really cool because you can get yourself to the point where you're feeling so comfortable getting up on a stage and speaking to people that it's still going to feel like kind of exciting or you're, you're going to turn that emotion into something that is like, oh yeah, energy, energy, I got it. But you're not going to be operating out of fear. But the way to make it happen is you've got to you got to just get up there and can give a speech every week, do table topics every week, do as much as you can, be the toastmaster. So anyway, that's one of my recommendations if you want to feel more confident with groups of people. Well, I am done with you for today and <laughs> just done with you people. All right. That was very fun, and I hope that you did the remote influence session and you really enjoyed it. You allowed yourself to feel it and feel it deep in there. <laughs> and you enjoyed my confession of my sordid past. I'm Wendy Friesen. This has been a blast. And you now can go get your remote seduction and remote influence program all in one purchase. There are two separate sessions and you can start being the amazing person that you are meant to be with superpowers. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for being here. Remember you go to wendy.com, W-E-N-D-I.com. And there you will find all of the programs. On the upper left, there's a thing that says all courses. Click that. And then you can search for remote influence because it'll have a little search box. All right, you all stay safe and happy and have a totally magical and mind-blowing day. And then another one. And then another one. Bye-bye, <laughs> everybody.